Hey, you're listening to Improv Nerd with my dad, Jimmy Corain. This is Brian Holden. Thanks. Jimmy, Jimmy Corain, Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Jimmy Corain's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Corain, Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Jimmy Corain's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corain's a nerd. He's a nerd. Hi, I'm Jimmy Corain, and this is Improv Nerd, sponsored by Hotel Lincoln. The next time you're in Chicago and you're looking for a kitschy boutique hotel that's brand spanking new and it's close to everything, including Second City, Lincoln Park Zoo, and the North Avenue Beach, and it's not only pet friendly, but it's improviser friendly as well. Check out the Hotel Lincoln, the official hotel of Improv Nerd. Our guest today is Brian Holden from Team Star Kid. Now, if you haven't heard of Team Star Kid, go to YouTube because their videos, things like a Very Potter musical, a Very Potter sequel, get millions and millions of hits on YouTube. As an improviser, Brian started at the UCB in Los Angeles. He then moved to Chicago uh, to study at Second City in I.O. And we talked about how he's had to make the adjustment from the UCB style, which is a little faster, a little quicker, to the more slower Chicago style. We also talked to him about Darren Chris from Glee, and he's also a member of Team Starkid and what he was like to work with. He also tells us the secret of making videos that go viral. Here's what I came away with from this interview. And I was thinking about all the independent projects that I've been lucky enough to be a part of. And I thought about Jazz Freddy. And Jazz Freddy was a group which has now taken on legendary status on the internet. And we were just a bunch of improvisers that wanted to do long form that was a little slower and a little theatrical. And we wanted to put it up in a theater. And that show, we had to do the, the posters, we had to raise money, we had fundraisers, we, you know, we, we did everything. In those shows, I feel the most ownership, I feel the proudest, and creatively, the most fulfilled. And you never know how much of an impact you have on people. And I had been told that for a lot of improvisers, uh, generations uh, after me, that show really influenced them. But when I'm in it, I'm very self-absorbed and very afraid, so I don't realize uh, the impact we're, we're having on people. So it's 15 years after the run of Jazz Freddy. A lot of people have moved on to Los Angeles. I'm in Chicago, and I'm working for WBEZ, which is a public radio station here in Chicago. And I'm doing interviews, primarily comedy people, but I do do some authors and occasionally Cindy Crawford. So John Favreau's coming into town to promote his latest movie, which at the time was Elf with Will Ferrell. And I believe it was like his first major movie, like big budget comedy. This was after Maid and Swingers. And so I arranged with the PR people to get an interview with John, which is usually done in a hotel suite, like a Four Seasons or a Peninsula, something like that, a really high-end hotel. But they require the PR people, if you're going to interview a big-time director, that you have to go to a screening to watch the movie so you know what you're talking about. So that night I go to a screening, and it's down at uh, 
a movie theater in, in down in, in off Michigan Avenue in Chicago here. And it's like one of those on the top of a like a top of a Eddie Bauer kind of thing. You gotta go up three floors and take three banks of escalators to get there. And John's there. John's introducing the movie. So John introduces the movie and the movie ends and John actually comes out and thanks the audience. And uh I walk out to the lobby and I see John and I've known John, you know, since we started here in Chicago in the, the late 80s, early 90s. And I start talking to John. John's talking to me. We're talking for a couple minutes. And then this guy comes out of nowhere. Like, like imagine he's behind a pillar and he comes out from behind a pillar and he's this short, kind of skinny guy, probably in his, I'd say, late 40s at the time. He's got two hearing aids. He's got really thick glasses and one of those haircuts where it looks like, you know, they just took a ruler and, and just like, like he has like bangs, you know, it's like just goes straight down. And he kind of, you know, because of the hearing aid, he kind of talks like this, just a little like this. And he comes around a corner and he looks at both of us and he looks at John and then he looks at me and he goes... Now, this is after John has done Swingers, he's done Made, he's been on Friends. He looks at me and he says, oh, I loved you in Jazz Freddy. You were great. And then he takes off. He recognizes me and he doesn't even recognize John Favreau. Anyways, before we start this interview, we're adding a little bonus today. The opening act for this show was a group called the Shaktis, and they sang a song about, which, which I thought totally applied to me about the last guy who buys DVDs. So enjoy this song in the interview that follows. Stories no 
I think it's 72,000. Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> what do you feel about like, oh, people want your autograph and stuff like that? Um, you know, everyone's gotta make their own decisions. Uh, if they want my autograph, that's cool with, with me, I guess, you know? Uh, I don't know, I don't know, it's it's nice. Uh huh. I don't know, I don't value it that much other than when it can, you know, get me things at Walgreens. Right, so <laughs> if, if I get your autograph tonight, what can I get at Walgreens? Uh, What's it worth at Walgreens? Uh, Toilet paper, um, Drano. I'm having a lot of, uh, you know, clog problems. Okay. okay, probably too much toilet paper. Okay. All right. You grew up. You grew up in Traverse City, uh, yeah. Michigan, and you said you were the class clown, yeah. and you wanted to be liked by everyone. Yes. Okay. Is that still true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and there was an incident where you tried to pull a prank on your teacher, Mr. Cobb. Right. Can you right. tell us what happened? Yeah. Um, so we were. We always make this like sort of end of the year choir video, and I tried to. It was like you know a couple the the cool guys get together and go like yeah how are we gonna prank people this year, and we said let's get Mr. Cobb. We now what was Mr. Cobb like? Mr. Cobb was like the coolest teacher in the world, mm -hmm. and I was actually having a conversation this morning with a friend, just going like you remember Mr. Cobb and how just cool he was. Uh, really nice sort of. Um, like patient choir teacher. Mm -hmm. He made everyone believe that they were having fun even though they were learning like classical choral pieces. Okay. Now, uh, can I just ask you, this yeah. was pre-Glee, so was choir cool yet or was, where was uh, choir? You know, in, in my school, choir was cool because it was the outlet to do theater. Okay, um, we didn't really it was have, the gateway. Yeah, okay. it, was a, it was a gateway, gateway to drug. the theater sure. world. Yep, exactly. <laughs> You kind of had to do, to be in the musical, you had to be in the choir program, essentially. Okay. Uh, and the theater program wasn't that big, so doing the choir stuff and, and the musical stuff in my school is kind of where it was at, mm -hmm. you know. So, so we were planning this prank. We get a giant stuffed animal, um, like a giant stuffed bear that's maybe like three, three feet off the ground or something. Mm -hmm. And we take all the stuffing out of it, and I get inside of it. Uh, Were you that small? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I've, I've also always been like, I've done this throughout 
anytime I need to really please a large group of people uh -huh. in college, uh, I was in the glee club in college and I got inside of a dryer. Uh, <laughs> so my nickname was Spin Cycle in college. Um, anyway, I was using my tiny powers to get inside of this uh, teddy bear and and I got inside, we got to school early and like rigged the door to the school so mm -hmm. that it wouldn't lock the mm -hmm. night before. Like really reckless, like who knows what could have happened. Someone could have come in, robbed the place. We didn't care. We wanted to scare someone. Um, and in front of Mr. Cobb's office, I got, we had, my legs wouldn't fit inside of the mm -hmm. teddy bear. So I got inside of it like this and I was in a cardboard box that had like newspaper so it covered my legs. And I sat there like this for half an hour at least. And it was holding a card that said, thank you. And so I could hear, I couldn't see anything, but I heard Mr. Cobb come into the room. And I, you know, just walk, walk, walk. And we had set up a video camera in the back of the room too. Uh, he opens up the door, go, I see him pause. I think that he looks at me, see him open up the door to his office. He's in there for another five minutes. I'm going, God. Uh, just holding this card. Is the bear suit hot at this point? It's just, it, it's like my body was so scrunched up and contorted uh -huh. that it was it was getting kind of hot, hard, a little hard to breathe. Uh -huh. And it also still had like pieces of the stuffing in there. So okay. I was going, <coughs> and uh, eventually he came and picked up the card and I went, surprise! But my legs had fallen asleep, so I fell right over. <laughs> uh, and, and he knew immediately that it was me. He said, he said, good morning, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so tell me about... Uh, Starkid writes their first uh, musical parody of Harry Potter. Right. And you do it with Matt and Nick Lang. Mm -hmm. Better known in the... What is a Starkid fan called? Is it Star fans? <laughs> <laughs> I, think that they're, I think they're also called Star Kids. This is something that, uh, that one of my friends talks about when he talks about Starkid, um, Eric Congale, he says, that's the cool thing about the group is that the people who make it are the Star Kids and also the fans are the Star Kids as well. So I think that it sort of takes down the, the barrier between the people watching and the people creating. So you, you and the Langs, and mm -hmm. I'm going to say the Lang brothers, because I'm in the know. I'm a Star Kid now. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, see, I'm a Star Kid. So we could go to the same show yeah. you know, <laughs> as your dad. Uh, so tell us how you how you guys came up with that idea. Um, well, that was an idea that I think you know the Lang brothers got me into the Harry Potter series. I read it in college, but Matt had been. You almost make it sound like they turned you onto drugs or something. Yeah. Well, in a way, I guess they did. It <laughs> changed changed my life. Um, yeah. Uh, so so we started. I started reading Harry Potter, and, and Matt was a big Harry Potter fan for mm -hmm. his whole life. And he would just read the books to Nick. He would, like, tell the stories to Nick. Because Nick, Nick can't read, right? Nick can't read. Okay. <laughs> so, and every uh, fourth page is like, show me the picture? Yeah, Is that yeah. It? Okay. He showed him all the chapter pictures. Um, <laughs> it's a sad story, but, you know, he's doing great. Right. Uh, the funny thing is he can write. He can write, but he, but he can't, can't read. read. Yeah. <laughs> or he won't read. I don't right, know which right. it is. Yeah. So, so... Matt had sort of had these jokes sort of percolating for years about mm -hmm. the Harry Potter world, um, particularly Voldemort and Quirrell, and like what he thought Draco Malfoy would be like. And mm -hmm. this is kind of like what the Langs do. They, they hear a story and then they come up with things that they think are funny about that story, that are parodying that story. They come up with their own stories. They are just 
the best storytellers I've ever Are they kind of nerdy people? Yes. Okay. So, and you collaborate with them. Mm -hmm. And what's that like? Because it's it's two Langs against one Brian Holden. Right, yeah. So how does that work? Um, what kind of fights do you guys get into? Uh, the fights we get into is I go, listen, just because there's two of you guys, you know, it's like, it's like that. They really are like a left and right brain. Um, but whenever we start to get into fights, we sort of try and just back off and then come come back and just get back to the jokes and the story. So will you will you just leave for a couple hours or say, hey, let's come back Wednesday and work on this? Yeah, okay. you know, and the other thing is like, they, their work ethic is insane. They, they work any time of the day or night, whenever it, it feels right, basically. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so they're a very powerful. Will you get a call team. at two in the morning and say, "Hey, we got, let's go." No, it's more like it's more like they'll be sitting around watching something and like pause it and then just start working, you know. And and mm -hmm. so it's it's you kind of have to be around to to really be in the work mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but you know, collaborating with them was fun. Nick was like my best friend in college. Absolutely, we, uh, yeah, we were we were really great friends. And Matt is such a Funny now are you guys project. still close I mean with the success mm -hmm. how has it changed the group with the success it has changed it uh, a lot it oh. and and this past fall was kind of a hard time when it was like we had just finished this third Harry Potter musical that we did right Harry Potter senior year it was actually called a very Potter 3d colon a very mm -hmm. Potter senior year <laughs> uh, and then it was it was kind of tough. We we were disagreeing about what to do with it because it didn't t quite turn out the way we wanted it mm -hmm. to. Uh, so we had a lot of disagreements and a lot of fights, and and like I didn't talk to them for like a couple months. But then, you know, the key was forgetting about Starkid actually, mm -hmm. and just putting all the work aside, which is, you know, it's been stressful like having to try and figure out how to be a business person as well, especially when you're dealing with your friends and like people you care about. It is really, uh, can be really damaging to some relationships. So we had to just sort of be like, the company isn't the most important thing. And coming back into this new show that we have now, Twisted, that's what I said to them. I said, I don't want to be involved in this show if it's going to damage any of my relationships with you or anyone else any further. You know, because we were sort of just at this point where we're like, We've finished this third Harry Potter thing. That's the thing that got us started. Do we want to move on and start pursuing our own careers? Is it worth it to keep doing Star Kid? And this is a question that is kind of always around a little bit. But when you get the key was just getting back to the work and what realizing that Twisted was fun and and so how did you patch it up then? So after so the, the third Harry Potter and that and you and you got Darren Chris from Glee to come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys get annoyed by, hey, what's he like and all that? Uh, no, no, because I understand. I understand that, that idea of like, every. I think I've probably asked that about other people. I go, what is that person like? like what, what is he like, person? really? <laughs> you know, it, we always like to say that Darren's, because people ask us, has fame changed Darren? And we say no, because he was always a superstar in his own mind. Uh, so... So and what do you mean by that? Because I think this yeah. is important. Yes. Well, I I mean I mean that he uh, you know it's always like oh yeah man sorry sorry I'm late oh yeah asking for rides and like oh could you help me out and stuff like this and and always kind of was was like he was the star of the show even before he was the star of the show mm -hmm. he, in the Harry Potter stuff he just always was and the real problem with it Jimmy is that he's so 
fucking talented that right. you just go, ah, oh well. Well, <laughs> these songs, these songs sound great. They're they're three weeks late, but you know, I guess I really really like them. So this is great. Good job, Darren. Yeah. Oh, that makes me mad. <laughs> I know. It makes and he's good. The guy's very good looking on top of it, right? Yeah, it's a real pain oh. in the ass. <laughs> yeah. We're dressed almost the same. I know. We are. <laughs> Except I, if you would have told me, I would have worn my New Balance shoes because, I, you know, because I'm the last guy to buy DVDs. <laughs> That's uh, right. Um, all right. So let's talk a little about um, um, touring. Okay. Okay. You were telling me something about uh, earlier about you would do a Star Kid show, and then this was I think were you in L.A. or something, and you went you went back to the the ice cream parlor that you were. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah that so I lived in L.A. for two years after school, and it was like this the this thing in particular was a Harry Potter convention. I mm -hmm. think it was either called, it was called LeakyCon or it was Infinitus or something like that. Why don't that. they have normal names? You they know? Why can't. don't they just call it Harry Potter convention? It's a Harry Potter convention, it's like, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I think they want it to be um, a surprise to everyone else who's in the hotel. Right. The right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what would you say LeakyCon is about? I would say... A plumber's convention. Yeah. Something. <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, we went to this LeakyCon thing or, or something and, you know, performed for a crowd of like, you know, two or three thousand people or and something. And what do like they that. like, Harry? I have a total judgment with because my wife yeah. loves it. Yeah. And my wife is kind of nerdy. You uh -huh. know, I'm the cooler one of the couple. But, <laughs> but they seem kind of geek, like Star Trek-y yeah. meets... I think they're really nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I think... You know, but I'm not kidding. Like, they are really, really nice people. Uh, and I think that it is, I think it's part of, like, what's in the Harry Potter books that makes them that way. Like, uh -huh. uh, like, I've seen so many great organizations come out of this Harry Potter fandom, like, charities and stuff like that that have done some really amazing things. Um, but, yeah, they're big dorks. Uh, they're... They're, you know, they love Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. They love Harry Potter so much. So you do this big convention. Yeah. Okay, and you're like a rock star in the yeah. Harry Potter world. Yeah, yeah. And the Harry, we step into the Harry Potter world, and it's like we're Hannah Montana all of a sudden. And you know, people like ask for the autographs, and uh -huh. we perform for these large crowds and stuff like that. And they usher us around through the the kitchens of these hotels and convention centers because mm -hmm. we can't be seen by the public. And then I, the next weekend, I am literally like asking people if they would like walnuts or almonds on their black and white Sundays because I'm a soda jerk at a at a Disney restaurant in Hollywood. So it was a pretty big dichotomy for the first couple of years. And do people ever notice you? Like sometime towards the end of my time in LA, people were like, "Hey," and that was actually worse, I think, mm -hmm. uh, being noticed. And then and then like going through the rest of the steps of serving them ice cream and stuff. For me, for me, I'd be just like, yeah. I want to tell you, this is a hard business. Yeah, you know, yeah. like a kid, well, aren't you the kid from Bizarre Kid? Oh, it's a hard business. We can't make a living at this yet. I felt like any kid that like came to the soda fountain, I was doing a disservice to them to be like, uh, like if they were with their parents, like just, just um, confirming all the fears that parents might have about <laughs> anyone who wants to go into the performing arts or something like that. Because they're like, you could end up 
like this guy. Right. <laughs> you know, you work at the, the Disney right. soda fountain? Right. No, you don't. Right. Uh, two days ago, I was the hit at the Leaky yeah. Convention, and yep. now, I mean, it really screws with your. Yeah. Now, when you're in LA, you study with the Upright Citizens Brigade. Right. Why did you start studying improv? Um, I did improv in college, and I really loved short form or long form. Short form. Okay. Short form stuff, and then I did one workshop here at Second City with my college improv group. And I started out in LA because I needed something to do. I was just working. Um, as soon as I got out there, my car was was destroyed basically for like six months. So I was just walking everywhere, and I could walk to these improv theaters. I wanted to get into something acting mm -hmm. again because I was really missing it. And so taking a class seems like the best thing to do, and also to meet people and, and things like that. And now you come to Chicago. You guys, mm -hmm. you know, Team Star Kid is headquartered here. I yeah. don't know if that's okay to say on the podcast. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a building that, that people okay. will come to. Um, and now you're taking classes at I.O. and Second City. Mm -hmm. Now they're both very different than UCB. Yeah. How have you been able to make that transition? How's that been? I think it's been it's been really good. Um, so just so people know, UCB is a explain their style. UCB, I I think if you know, in my experience, really focuses on the game uh, of a scene, which is kind of like picking out patterns or like they used to always say in class, like what's the first unusual thing or the first thing that sort of pops and like maybe gets a reaction out of people, and then just whatever that thing is, figure out how to play that thing really really hard throughout all of your scenes. Mm -hmm. You still are doing the Herald form, but that's that's a, I think essentially a watered down version of what. And they're moving does. fast, and it's very in your head. The, uh, the guys who are amazing at it can do it so oh. well, but they're all like really intellectual and like they're they're you know really smart guys. But it did put me in my head big time, mm -hmm. and it. Took doing some improv elsewhere and just trying to perform and and doing stuff at IO to to get out of my head a little bit and get back to just reacting and listening and stuff like that and then you know in IO you can also still use all that UCB training and play play the game big time and stuff like that um, but it was just a weird thing for me to do first as like my first serious improv training I think and when you take classes, do people know you from Team Star Kid? Sometimes, sometimes. And how is that? Do you feel pressure? Like I gotta be a real good improviser because? No, I want to be a real good improviser anyway. So I feel like that that pressure is always there. Uh, so no, I don't. I no, I, I don't feel that pressure. It's and it's not really weird when people recognize me because a lot of time it's me. It's more like me. They go, "What do you do?" And I say, "Well, I work for this." theater company that I started with my friends and they say oh cool like you know what do you do they ask the question again and I say yeah we we did this Harry Potter parody musical a few years ago and they're like oh yeah I think I saw that like online at some point or my friend was telling me about that and so it's more like they they recognize it after the fact you know I don't get too much facial recognition I don't think can we go back to Harry Potter for just a second yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> When you look at that, how many hits did that did the first one get? Like seven million or something? It has a lot now. Okay, it has a lot now, but it's been out for like four years. In the first week, it got close to like two hundred thousand hits. And what were you guys? How were you reacting to that? We were going insane. Like how? Like, <laughs> like I I was like at work, like not being able to focus, like texting my friends, like wow, how many is it now? How many is it now? Uh -huh. For like a whole week because we put it. We put it up online, and within a couple hours, we were like, yeah, we put the, the Harry, we called it just Harry Potter the Musical. We are like, we put Harry Potter the Musical up online, cool. 
dude, why does it have like 500 hits already? It's been up for an hour. And these Harry Potter fan sites like Leaky News or MuggleNet. Mm -hmm, love MuggleNet. Uh, yeah, MuggleNet's <laughs> yeah. the bomb. It's my news source. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they picked it up like right away. I think a friend of ours pointed it out to them. But what I found is interesting, because we've had a lot of people on the show, you yeah. know, uh, Matt Walsh from UCB, I, uh, is one that comes to mind and they'd say you can do it here in Chicago all you got to do is get something up on it on the internet yeah. and when I look at your stuff it's it's first of all it's, it's shot like in a theater basically and it's long pieces it's not like the two-minute thing that's gonna go viral right, right so what do you think the secret of your success has been on the internet I'd say parody the most popular book series of all time that's a start. <laughs> Uh, Do you have a pen? Yeah, write okay, this down. I'm writing this down. Okay. Um, I think that this. I think that the secret to Star Kid was, it came out. I think it's a, a lot of luck. You know, it's good. We came out at a good time. The sixth Harry Potter movie was coming out, so Harry Potter was kind of on everyone's mind. The book series had just ended, and we, you know, we put out this musical, which is pretty funny, I think. And it's it's like it's a musical. People just like musicals sometimes. Now, your your audience is teenage girls, right? Primarily. Yeah, yeah primarily. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I asked my wife this question. You, I think you should answer <laughs> it. Um, I think that Harry Potter has a lot of teenage girl fans. I think that there are also some just handsome men within the Star Kid group. That probably helps. Um, I think the fact that it's called... Now they're laughing. Yeah. Would you guys agree to this? I think that was my girlfriend laughing. Yeah, Is your girlfriend up there? Yeah, yeah she's right there. Um, I think Was that, she a fan? Um, no, no. We went to college with Meredith and she's in the group now too. Okay. Yeah. How's that? Is that does that work out? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Have you guys ever had like tension? Like creative tension? Yeah. yeah. Over what? Well, uh, you know, directing Twisted was, um, there, there was tension there sometimes because I felt, I, I felt like sometimes I could um, lay more on Meredith because we, we are so, we have a very you've, close you've, relationship. Right, you've slept together. Yeah, we've slept okay. together. Let's just get that up. We I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. I know you're only 16, but, but let's not hide it. You I'm know? <laughs> You can have your dad call me after the show. I'll explain. Um, and I think that I, I think that I laid more on her than I did the rest of the cast. Okay. Like I was maybe I don't know if I was like, just more. Just, Were you harder on her? I think I was. Yeah. M Meredith, was he harder on you? Do you think? <laughs> does, does Meredith talk or does she just she, laugh? Like she does, she does talk, but she she doesn't want to talk. She's. Nervous giggling right now, I think. <laughs> Meredith, what you, was you your experience of Brian I was, directing? I was hard on her, yeah. Um, yeah, Brian... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian, Brian uh, feels like he can talk to me about not only my performance, but everybody else. <laughs> so yeah. he would come home and say, oh, this person is being a pain yeah, in the ass. say it to their face. Yeah. But he would never say it to their face? Is that right? What? But he would not say it to their face, right? I would say it in a I would say it in like a good way to them, but I'd say it in a bad way to me. <laughs> so I think that because you said to me we did a, a pre-interview, you said twi twisted. It started out good in the last because this was the first time you directed something, and yeah. it was about Aladdin, a, a parody of Aladdin. And yeah. then you said the, the last couple of weeks it was just yeah frustrating. It, it was frustrating. It was tough. Um, that's kind of par for the course, I think, with a lot of theater things as you get closer to opening, especially, in my experience, new works. 
because, um, you know, this time the, the Lang brothers who were the main writers, well, Lang brothers and Eric were the, the people who wrote the book for this. They weren't really around for the rehearsal process, which is the first time that's ever happened during a Star Kid show. Where were they? In Hollywood? No, they were just hanging out at home. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And so they live here now as well. Uh, what what are they? It's air conditioned. They didn't want to leave. What, I don't get why. They, they were working on something else. And I think the idea, the whole idea, was that let's try and shake things up. Let's pass pass it on to someone. Have someone else be there because they're a little bit of like perfectionists, and they they're kind of like either they go to like zero to sixty in terms of involvement. So as soon as they they get involved in something, they're involved in every single aspect of it. And I think that they, in trying to move StarKid forward, we're looking for new ways to con to continue the creative process and mm -hmm. then and bringing other people in. Anyway, uh, they came and saw it, and I think it was partially seeing it for the first time at, at a totally unfinished state, and also seeing their work. They went, hmm, I don't like what I've done with these different things. And so the last week and a half were a lot of changes. All the writers were there. It was kind of like, I kind of became more of just like a conductor of what everyone else wanted to do, what everyone else wanted to do, than like a director at that point. Well, did that get back to, I want everybody to like me? Uh, there was probably some of that, but it was more, you know what it really was? I was just like, I just want everyone to have a good time doing a Star Kid show. Because honestly, except for your except girlfriend. for my girlfriend, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I screwed up. I screwed up. Um, I wanted everyone to have a good time because otherwise it wasn't worth it. And that's kind of what the whole thing in the fall, last fall, was about. We were like, "Are we having a good time doing this anymore?" And if we're not, it really, we just really shouldn't be doing it. Can you have people have a good time? Can a director be that powerful? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think that, and from what I learned on Twisted, it's like so much of being a director is just believing in your cast, believing in the writers, making everyone, it's basically just making everyone feel really good. Because when everyone feels really good, they do better. Mm -hmm. They just naturally do better about, in every And how aspect. do you make people feel better about when you're directing? You say, good job, you guys. You say... <laughs> Do you have a pen? Do you have a pen? Where, where's that down. pen? Yeah. This is right after. Start, this is start. Okay. You say, yeah, you just like, you let them know that what you think they're doing is good, what you think they're doing is funny. Um, you, I think with our group in particular, you say you have the creative freedom to do stuff up to a certain point. Uh, and you just, are, you're kind of like, you know, don't, don't be a dick about it, really. Don't be a dick about directing. Be, it's theater is the way. The reason I love it, and as well as improv, it's so collaborative. You have to rely on everybody. It's not like I. It's not like I had some genius idea for how to do Twisted. It was kind of just like, I'm surrounded by a lot of talented people. Let's do this. I'll I'll make sure things get done as best I can, and make sure that everyone can be as creative as they can be. And we don't have to deal with Darren Chris anymore. Yeah, and now that that punk kid, Darren Chris. Okay, so yeah. we're gonna improvise now. That's all right. Awesome. So what we need from you is, what do you, what do you wanna take as a suggestion? Uh, I usually prefer a location or a relationship. Okay, so. so why do you prefer a location and a relationship? Well, a relationship because it just gets that big thing out of the way right at the okay. top. Uh, because that's something that, you know, they always tell you to do. Relationship okay. reveal be affected is what one of my favorite improv teachers told me. 
Who um, was that? Do you remember? J.D. Walsh, actually, okay. a guy that doesn't work at UCB, I.O., or Second City. He, okay. I did a comp an improv competition. And, he, and his theory was what? He, he just said, just relation, have a relationship. Within the first minute, have a reveal, essentially, why is today the day? Okay. Uh, and then be emotionally affected by that. Okay. And so it's just a little mantra I, I say, try and give myself before everything. Relationship, reveal, be affected. Great. So let's take a relationship and... Uh, <coughs> yeah. Sounds great. good. Can we get a suggestion for a relationship between myself and Jimmy, please? Anyone? Exes. I heard exes. Okay, great. Let's do it. Hey, Bill, good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just shopping. I've just moved into the neighborhood here, so. Oh, cool. I hope that I'm not moving in on your turf or anything. <laughs> no, it's totally cool. Okay. It's totally cool. Yeah. You look absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you still have some CDs back at my place. Yeah. I don't really do CDs anymore. I do a lot of stuff on, you know, just, I download it from iTunes. Oh, is that like a dig because I'm older? Is that it? No. Because <laughs> you were into older don't, guys. Yeah. I, I know. I know. It. And that's true. That's still true. But I wanted to try the flip side of what's, the coin as well. A what's young, that? A younger guy. I'm dating a younger guy. Oh, good. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Are you dating anyone? No, I'm not. I'm still trying to get over this. <laughs> Listen, it's been a month, man. What? <laughs> what? You just... We lived together for four years, uh -huh. okay? Yeah. A month is, is, is... A month is not a very long time. Think okay? of what was the last year like for us, though? Did you have fun? Yes, I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> See, that's what that. See, you always are telling me what what I'm supposed to feel. I, I'm not. Yeah, no. You, you, I, I'm saying that you were lying when you said that. <laughs> see, this is why it didn't work. You're not giving me any space about how I'm supposed to feel. Because I'll say something. If I say red, you're gonna say blue. Right. <laughs> okay. Well. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand. That this is tough, but look, you said this is tough, like it's no big deal. I was, I wanted to spend the rest of my life with you. I did too. I did too. That was year three for me. All right. <laughs> then year four happens, and it I, we lost it, man. You lost it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Because you went and you cheated on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then you came back and you, you thought it was no big deal. And you know what you said to me, which was, was totally insensitive? You, you said to me, okay, why don't you cheat on me now so we can be even? <laughs> I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> I that, thought that's not how it works. You totally violated my trust. How? And then you thought I was going to get it back by me going out and cheating? Listen, listen. I 
I, I needed something else, right? I needed to know before we got married that, that it was going to work and that I just wanted to get my rocks off with another guy one last time or something. It's not like I didn't ask you, like, in year two, all right? In, remember year two? I remember year two. We went to I, Disney World. Yeah, but... Yes, and I thought that was it. I thought... It, I wanted to have sexual exploits with you and other guys in year two. And maybe if you had been more open to that, like like being open to things. We went to Disney World in year one as well, and it's just I want I want things to change in a relationship. I want to, I want it to change with you. Nick, this is like way too much for me, okay? I was just coming in to get a head of lettuce and now this you know, all of a sudden it's like I see you and you know it's like We don't have to have this conversation right now. We can just walk away. If that's what you want, we can just walk away. Believe me, I, I can. I've got... I can't, okay? I can't, all right? Because you're like right in front of the produce. Okay. <laughs> there, do you feel better now? No, I don't. Well, get your produce, Peter, go for it. Don't tell me what to do, okay? I'll get my produce when this I want your, to, make. This is your freedom to, to react to the world in the way you want to. Oh, don't, 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 don't talk down to me like that, okay? You're the one who cheated on me. You're stubborn. I course I'm stubborn. I'm ten, 20 years older than you. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what you uh, you thought I was so attractive because I was stubborn. You looked, yeah, you looked like a silver fox. <laughs> What are you making? What are you making at home? Well, what, do, what do you want to know? I'm interested. You know what? Because I'm going to tell you what I'm making. You're going to say, well, well why would you use a, why would you ro a romaine lettuce? You really should use iceberg lettuce. I just might have a suggestion for you. <laughs> okay, I'm making tacos. Fish tacos with tilapia. Okay? And then I'm putting some salsa, Newman's own salsa, mild, okay. with a little uh, cabbage, red cabbage, onions, and avocado. I'm doing it on a corn tortilla, not a so, uh, flour tortilla. Uh -huh. Okay, that sounds good. I have no suggestions. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> that is so bullshit. No, it, Your eyes are darting on the floor. I, I'm waiting. Come on, Nick. I'm waiting. Okay. What did I fucking do wrong with the tilapia? The tilapia? I wouldn't do it. I made tilapia for your anniversary, and now it's not good enough for a taco? It wasn't good enough for an anniversary. Why did you tell me that, Nick? Why did you wait till we ran into each other after we broke up to tell me this? Because I cared about you at the time. Bullshit, Nick! Bullshit! Fuck you! <laughs> yes, I did! Yes, I did care! How did you care? You slept with somebody else! I know. Ten times! <laughs> I could see once! I could see once! You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I did not care at that point. I didn't care anymore. So what's changed? I don't know. I don't know. I, this, this guy is so young. <laughs> I can't, I don't have anything I like talking about with him. You know, I miss talking with you about music that you liked when you were my age. <laughs> I miss watching all those classic movies that aren't classics to you, but they, you know, it's like, I can, that's all they are in my mind. I miss that. I miss it, okay? That's why I moved into this neighborhood. 
is a lot. Yeah. I have to admit, I was hoping I would run into you. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't. I know what time you shop. You always shop at 4.30 on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> it's my, it's the main time in the day that I have off. <laughs> so the last four Saturdays, I've been coming here, hoping that I would see you. Been eating fish tacos all alone for the last four Saturdays? Yeah. <laughs> hoping somebody would see me and say, it's not tilapia, it really should be sea bass. So you agree. I agree. <laughs> Let's listen. That kid is asleep. <laughs> Taking an afternoon nap. Because we had a we had a big brunch. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you want to go and just have ice cream like we did on our first date? Yeah. Butter pecan? <laughs> No, you I, tell me what that is. You tell me what that is. I would go with the Chunky Monkey. It's <laughs> cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You don't have a card or anything. No. <laughs> like I said, I was planning to run into you. I would just go up and down the aisles. <laughs> I thought a cart, if you saw me with a cart, you might think I was with somebody and, you know. So you really haven't been seeing anybody at all? No, I haven't. Okay, sorry. I didn't, I didn't what, are you rubbing that in? No, 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 I, I'm not meaning to rub it in. Well, what are you meaning by it? I don't know, I was just curious. If you picked up any new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that, too. Okay. I'm... I'm gonna do a lot of apologizing. Okay. Okay? Okay. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> what, what kind of hug is this? Sorry, I'm, I've got my What's backpack. in your backpack? <laughs> I just, You're not shoplifting again, are no. you? No. <laughs> no. That was like your cutting phase, remember, when you were shoplifting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for getting me out Can of Can I see what's time. in the backpack? <laughs> if we're going to get back together, I just want to make sure that... All right, listen. I just got some CDs in here, okay? Nick, <laughs> Nick what are you doing? I, I don't... Well, Nick, look, I would buy you anything. Why are you stealing again? Because I need a rush again. That's what I I need to feel that rush. Man, 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 man. All right. I'll steal with you. <laughs> then grab that fucking lettuce and toss it into this bag. Okay. <laughs> How was that for you? I thought I thought it was good. It felt really good. I mean, there was. A lot, a lot of emotional stakes and stuff. I felt like the only, the only thing is like, I think we went there so quick that towards the end we were like, right. What, what happens now a little bit? Right. But John, how long did we go? Uh, about just under eleven minutes. Okay, great. Not too long. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I um, X, I, you know, when I hear X, it's like, okay, do we play two guys? Do we play yeah. guy and girl? What's your feeling on that? 
I I'm totally fine playing two guy X's. Right. I, it's like, who did you have on the other week? I think it wasn't it Beth. Uh, she was. Wasn't she talking about playing how she plays guys all the time? Yes, Beth Malusky. Yeah. Yeah. Or the the podcast just came out yeah. the other week. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have a problem p- playing men, women, or anything. I I I like it. So when you heard X's, what did you think? Two guys. Yeah, two? I thought okay. two guys. Okay. Um, again, when I play these long scenes, I thought when we hugged, like, oh my god, lights. I was hoping lights would come out. I was did you feel that, like yes, I was okay. hoping that too. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you do then? Then I felt like okay. The, then I was like okay, he's. He's hugging me. It's kind of weird because yeah. you were like holding your He's backpack. Holding my backpack. It was yeah. a weird hug. You were yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I want to say, okay, what's what's the next thing? Sometimes I feel like yeah, which is my. I'm just gonna say it's my issue. I need to keep keep going. You me know? too. Me too. Yeah. I had a I had a a level five show a few weeks ago, and there was we like just zipped through the Herald somehow. So we were going into like fourth beats and stuff. And in about six minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. And I we're was gonna bring like, it back in six minutes. I was really that. That was a problem of mine as well. I was really trying to like, be like, where's that? Where are those lights? You know, right. and like, like serving serving up those lights line. Like, well, we may never know. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> like, hopefully, those lights will go down, right. um, which is not a very good thing to do. But I think that picking up on the hug was was a good move. I think that that gave us something to do for. For another little bit. Great. Okay, so we're gonna um, go to the audience, and uh, if John, if you could put the lights up, and they're they're here, they're all primed. They want to ask you some questions about what we just did. Wonderful. Or or uh, Team Star Kid. Yes. Cool. Hey, Brian. Um, so you're immersed yourself studying improv. I'm just wondering if the things that you're learning in the course of your improv training energize you to go back to Star Kid with new ideas or new new ways of approaching things. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we, I try and use improv philosophies in my everyday life all the time. Actually, I had to yes and this interview uh, because I was like, I was listening to, to all the podcasts and, and, and you had Matt Besser on and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm still in improv classes. Why am I being on the same <coughs> podcast as the guy who founded UCB? And so I was like, not sure if I wanted, if... I didn't want to come off like some dick that because I was in Star Kid, it goes back to people liking me. Uh, because I was in Star, I really want to make it an, an improv on my own. I didn't want to be here just because of like a Star Kid thing and like have people go like, "What is this guy? He's like in some Space Kids group. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> like on this improv podcast?" So. I yes and things in my life as, as much as I can. Um, but it took you a while to respond to our request to do the show. Yeah, yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it. Um, so, and, and there was like, initially there was like, you were afraid, right? Yeah, for sure. And that was because you, you, you were like, oh, I don't want people to think just because I'm on te- Team Star Kid that... Yeah, I, I don't want people in the improv community to think that I have a big head about improv. I want to just be an improviser. I want to, I want to cut my teeth. I want to go through everything that everyone else goes through, and I want to be good on my own. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another question. Sorry. Yeah, right here. Uh, you mentioned a quote from uh, the guy that uh, taught you and inspired you on some things. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you prefer these uh, today's the day sort of uh, performances or the slice of life? 
Today's the day, for sure. Today's the day. Yeah. I think it's just easier. It's just easier to do today's the day um, than, than slice of life, for me. Um, and it's just, it's just that, I, I learned that from, yeah, from this guy, J.D. Walsh. I did an improv competition in Los Angeles where every week he would basically give us, do a class with us, like a workshop. It could be like between 20 people and towards the end of the competition, like four people. Uh, we'd do a class basically and then a performance immediately after that. And then there were judges critiquing your improv performance. So it was a time when I really just like had to pay attention, listen to everything I was learning in these classes and try and get as, try and just absorb everything and implement it right away. And so um, I th it, it taught me that also, I think audiences really react to emotional scenes a lot. I think that people love the game stuff at UCB, but I think it's easier to just do an emotional scene. As soon as you start hinting at like that two people are in love and you're playing it like really honestly and stuff, mm -hmm. people pay attention so much more and they're so more so much more engaged because it's like I don't know, it's a story that is never not interesting really. Mm -hmm. Every story, so many love stories throughout all of time, uh, but people still enjoy them and still find new ways to do them. Great. Uh, another question. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the like very early rules that you can later break in improv is don't fight. And I'm wondering yeah. when you get a suggestion like X's and it, the only honest way to do it would be to have some animosity. Like, what are you thinking in your head? Uh, when you're doing a scene where you're fighting? Um, I... Here, here's I, what I think the problem with fighting is, is that, is that sometimes people never win, and you just have, uh, you just have two fucking rocks pounding into each other for an improv scene. And when there's no give and take, it's completely uninteresting. But to see, that, I think that's probably why I was like, you're right, I'm sorry. Because eventually you have to give, and and like that's a rule for your life as well, um, and that's that's when the scene can go forward and become interesting. When you admit that you do something wrong, or you know, you, you know, it's like interesting to see people be wrong and and realize that and take that in. And I knew during our scene there was a part where I was going to have to, we were going to have to get back together. I mean, yeah. it was just. The, you started. Yeah. You, you started to see. You could start to feel that. Okay, this isn't. The you know, if if, if one of us doesn't agree, it's not. It's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I learned in that improv competition was sort of like, <laughs> in a scene, in case of emergency, break out. I love you. Just say I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if anyone has pays attention to the improv scenes I do, it happens a lot. <laughs> uh, you just say I love you, and then the. And then the person can go, what? Why? Or, or I love you too, you know, something like that. And it, it gives you a jump, another jumping off point. But it's, it's sort of like letting go of whatever dumb, stupid thing you decided to hold on to. Great. Uh, another question? Where? Where? I see one right there. Okay. Um, you've, you're writing, directing, improv. Uh, don't seem to... You've done a lot of different things in this community yeah. uh, in entertainment. Uh, so what now would be a short-term goal uh, for, and a long-term goal? Hmm. Short-term goal. Short-term goal to be on the house teams at Second City and I.O. 
Um, Long-term goal, I'd say it would be either to like just continue doing acting and, and comedy like in a larger scale, like maybe film and television or something like that, or to have a theater, have a space kind of not unlike this where where we can put on our own work but maybe have other works as well, like some sort of creative haven. You know, I always liked the, the group theater. We studied the group theater in school, this like amazing theater group in the like during the Depression era. And I always thought it was so cool <laughs> that they went to camp and hung out together. Um, and so I sort of like that idea a lot. So I'd say maybe that's... So that's long. changed. Your goals have changed because I read something that Saturday Night Live was one of your goals. And growing up, that was my goal. And I was like, as a naive young man, I was like, okay, I'll go to college for two years. I'll just be discovered by SNL. And then... Uh, <laughs> Cut college short, go right to New York, and that'll be my story. And uh, that that well sort of dried up really quick um, as soon as I realized that that wasn't going to happen. I was a junior in college, and I went, hmm, I didn't hit the mark. Uh, so, so that still definitely is a goal for me. I would love to be on SNL. That mm -hmm. is that is a lifelong dream. But I think that you know, with Starkid, I I have different go goals like within the Starkid group. And also, I just, when I had that goal, I was like, SNL, that's cool, I like that. But what I really liked was the improv and sort of sketch element of it. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in northern Michigan, didn't know anything else about it. Uh, I almost joined an improv team in northern Michigan that would perform at the bar at the Holiday Inn. But they were like, listen, you know, I was like 17 years old and I grew up Catholic and was like in youth group and stuff. And they were like, listen, you got to be okay with like, we want you to be in the show, but... If you're going to be in it, you know, I got to ask you, it's like, you okay doing scenes, scenes about like cock rings and stuff? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they were like, just saying, it's like we do stuff in bars and like cock rings come up a lot. <laughs> this is a real conversation I have with this <laughs> And I said, I don't, I don't think so. No, I think I'll, I think I'll just pass, you know? And I was like, I think if that's the level, I was like, I don't, I don't think I'll do that if cock rings is the goal, if that's what we're aiming for, to do a great thing about cock rings. And the other thing I, I found interesting was, I think it was a couple of years back, you guys were like, Team Star Kid, we are not going to build a theater in Chicago. We don't want a building. Has that changed? It's... Not really. I think it would be cool to have a building. I would love to just, like, I mean... We're doing Twisted right now, and we rented this space for six weeks with four weeks of performances, two weeks of tech, and we could we could do a longer run. You know, we could afford to do that. I think people would buy tickets for a longer run, and I think I would love the chance to be able to run something for long enough so that Chicago people and Chicago friends can really come out and see it. Because like the Starkid fans are so great that they buy up those tickets right away. Um, so I think that I don't necessarily want to. I never was like, I'll own a theater someday. But I think I would like a space that can be dedicated to our work so that we have it open to do work more often. Do you appreciate the success you guys have now? Because I, I'll share my experience. Okay. 
when I was like 27, I was at the annoyance. Mm -hmm. Did you, you have to be somewhere? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta go. No, I'm no, just it, kidding. Okay, because you checked your watch. I, I'm sorry, yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Is it because I was focusing on no, me? No, I was actually thinking about my cast because they have to be somewhere at, at what six. Time, what they, time do they have to be out They have here? to be somewhere at 6.30. I'm okay. sorry that I did that. that no, was, it's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still apologizing. We're out of the scene, Peter. Okay, that's all right, I'm Nick. so sorry. Okay. Um, when I was at the Annoyance, we were like the hot theater. Okay, mm -hmm. real life Brady Bunch, yeah. Code Prison Sluts, all this stuff. And we were, and I had a show called I'm 27. I still live at home and saw Office Supplies. Ran for a year and a half, packed the houses. I, I regret that I didn't push it more. Mm -hmm. Because part of me was like I was done with the Annoyance Theater because it was a very dysfunctional place. Mm -hmm. The other part was I thought, you know what? Now that I've been a part, I was a part of that. I was a part of a group called Jazz Freddy, mm -hmm. a group called the Comedy Underground, and success was just everything I did turned to gold. And I thought, you know, I could move on to the next thing is no problem. I'm. I wonder with. I wonder. Do you feel a little of that? Like you know what, Star Kid goes away. I c I can do something else. Um, no, I feel the reverse of that. Where I go. God, it would be such a shame to walk away from all of this because I think that it is such an incredible opportunity for us and we are really, really lucky. I think we work, work really hard and we have some really talented people involved, but that honestly is like only one part of it. Luck is such another huge part of anyone's success in this industry, I think. And so I, I, when I think about walking away ever or if I ever have thought about that, I always go, well, I, it's just improv. I just go, I'll get into improv and just, and just do my thing in there. But you have no interest like, oh, you know what, I, if, if I get a, a, an opportunity like Darren does, mm -hmm. I'm going to take it. Um, if I got an opportunity like Darren did, I probably would take it. <laughs> um, but I think that that's the nice thing about the group is like, I don't think we would ever begrudge anyone of taking an opportunity like that. You know? Uh, if Darren wanted to do another show, he would be welcome back. Yeah, if we could work it out. The main thing is that he's so busy. I would do with another that Glee show. show he's, with that Glee show, is that busy? It's busy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They make him do. Do you know they make him do stuff every week? What do you mean? Yeah. On the show? On the show. He's on the show every week. Give the guy a break. <laughs> That's. That is wrong. I don't like that. That yeah. is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, of course, yeah. I would love to do something with Darren. It's, it's, just, it's just weird and more difficult now that not only is it his schedule, but it's also like working around a television show schedule, which is monstrous, you know? I guess my, my concern, and, 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 and I, I'm going to be uh, I'm speaking as your father. Um, <laughs> I think I always root for people that start their own thing mm -hmm. because I think there's something... There's ownership. There's special. That's where that that's that's where it's. Is someone leaving? You have to go. You're in the cast. Yeah, you just lost me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's not interested anymore. Great. Yeah, the whole cast is leaving. We'll, we'll I'm I'm sorry. They well, thanks for coming, you guys. Yeah, now they're, are they in Twisted? Yeah, they're all in Twisted. Well, thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always root for people that do their own stuff. And I think sometimes people don't realize if you, they, you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, 
that I mean it's it's going to make you bigger than if you joined one of the institutions. Yeah. Yeah. What's difficult is is loving the institutions so much and seeing them and really really wanting to be a part of them. I really want to be Like if Second States. City offered you main stage, would you would in a second? I probably would. Yeah, mm -hmm. I probably would. Because I think that I could find it's like I wasn't in this show. I directed it. I could still find a way to be a part of Star Kid and do Second City. Uh, I think that I think that that's just the way it's got to be. We've got to use this as like sort of a jumping off platform. It's you know you never want to hinder anyone's possibilities. Mm -hmm. So I think we've had people come and go on shows um, and people leave and then come back. So I, I think it's the best way to do it is just to have an open door. How much are you guys making on the merchandise? Uh, you've got sunglasses. You've yeah. got what do you got? Stickers. So, yeah, we got some stickers. Uh, <laughs> uh, wristbands. Wristbands, T-shirts, headbands, um, hats. Headbands are a big thing. Yeah. Whose idea was this? Um, well, it kind of, in a way, it sort of happened naturally. Um, but also, we've teamed up with this other startup. These guys who started their own company from U of M, uh -huh. uh, the Ann Arbor T-shirt company. And so it's like a dedicated merchandise company for us. It's like we don't have to do a lot of work on our ends. You know, we, we have people design stuff for us. I mean, me personally, I don't do a lot of work on it. But we, we hire designers. We hire idea people for this sort of stuff from time to time. Well, do they say, hey, we're going to do a, a, a Star Kid headband, sweat headband? Yeah. What do you guys think? Or do they just go ahead and do it and then you see I mean, it? that thing came from the show. That is like a costume piece that one of the characters wore. Okay. So that's why it's like insanely popular. Okay. Um, and it's sort of like stuff but like $4? that. $4? I mean... I'm right there with you, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. It, you know, you that's that's sort of the Annabelle T-shirt company's thing. Mm -hmm. Like, they figure out... What They're going to be on next week, so I'll yeah. ask them that question. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good at improv. But you make a living at this, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is Star Kids, my full-time job. Is yeah. it a good living? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. For fifty thousand uh, dollars? No, no, I, I don't think so. It, and it fluctuates, you know. Okay. It's like this year, not this year. We haven't made as much money. Like last year, the year and a half before that, we did two national tours and two plays. And Weirdest thing that ever happened on a tour. A lot of teenage girls, yeah. a lot of screaming. Yeah. Honestly, I hesitate to say this sometimes because it is weird, but we got a note from a girl that had a, a razor blade in it that had blood on it. And what did the note say? It said, we really love Star Kid. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it was like it could have been a note from almost anybody else. She didn't really mention it. She mentioned that we, like, sort of helped her come out of a dark place, and so I think it was a symbolic gesture. But it it was kind of weird, yeah, yeah. Do you did you hear that? <laughs> cutting is not a good thing. Yeah. Okay, that that's what it was. Cutting, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I hope we don't end on that note. No. <laughs> Can we say something else before? Yeah, we certainly okay, would say that's yeah. a little lighter. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah, let's do something lighter. Um, oh, so another weird thing that happened. Um, you know, we followed Yellow Card around. What's uh, Yellow Card? It's a band. Okay. It's a band for okay. young people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, 
But we were basically like at every venue that they were at one week after they were. Mm -hmm. And one week we met up with them and we were like, hey, we've been following you guys around on tour. And they were like, cool. <laughs> and we were like, yeah! <laughs> so, uh, what about like groupies? Do, do, do some of the members that are single, do they try to hook up with the... No, because like you said, it's kind of teenage girls, you know. Is there, is there like, hey, we got to be careful here? Uh, there is now, yeah. We used to like, <laughs> boy, when we first started getting attention, uh -huh. it blew our minds and our pants off. Right. Uh, <laughs> we were so excited to like have that female attention. But then we just kind of like started going, yeah, yeah, boy, it's been so fun hanging out with you tonight. And, but you want to go get a drink at the bar? And they'd be like, oh, I can't. And we go, all right. Well, have a wonderful evening. Uh, so that was like the, the code. That was sort of the litmus the, the, test. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Whatever you guys do, ask about the drink. And if they say yeah. they can't do it, get the yeah. hell out of there. Yeah, I think, yeah. So we sort of went, we, we actually described it as a time when we went wiener wild, is how uh -huh. we used to describe it. Um, but... You know, any we, like we orgies, like no, like, that's no, okay. No, that's the thing. We didn't have much success, which only fueled the wiener wildness. Okay. Yeah. Have so, you ever been wiener wild, Jimmy? No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I, I wish I had, you know, but we didn't have a team star kid when I was growing up. I think that that was part of it too. It's like I wish I had been more wiener wild during college, uh, and I wasn't. And then it was like. Second chance, but uh, it didn't really. Well, work I know, out. like for me, it's like we kind of got in comedy for it, yeah, and then yeah. you know, it's like yeah, because comedians just right. clean up. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, even then, when it, it was never thrown at me like it was apparently thrown at you guys, but it would be like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm still nervous. I'm still scared if it was thrown at me. You know, you know? what? Sometimes on tours, like the moms hit on us way more than the girls do. <laughs> We've had some sexually persistent mothers. Really? Yeah. Has anyone hooked up in the cast? Uh, I don't think so. I think maybe the band on the tours. The band, the band is like, they're sort of where it's at. They know how to do it. Right. They're musicians. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying about being in comedy. It's like yeah. you always wanted to do it, but really, if the, the opportunity, I would be like, yeah. I would have, I'd still be scared and, you know, it's not like the attention is going to give you experience. You know? No, no, no. So I, I maybe I'll be join a band. Join a band. Yeah, yeah that's that, my only recommendation. Join write, a band. Write that Did you down. hear that? I'm writing that down. Do you yeah. have that pen? Yeah. Great. Um, I think that's a good note to end on. I think so. Yeah. Brian thank Holden, you. thank you so much. Thank you, Jimmy. That was a real pleasure. Thank you. And there you have it. It's another episode of Improv Nerds in the Can. We're just banging them out. It was painless. I'd like to thank my guest today, Brian Holden from Team Star Kid, and check out their videos on YouTube. Let's see if we can go over 10 million on some of them, as well as the Shaktis, our opening act here in Chicago, and check them out on our Improv Nerd YouTube channel. As always, I want to thank the good people here at Stage 773 for making us feel so welcome and at home. And as always, my producer, Ben Cabrera, for making it sound so slick and so professional. That part, has I have nothing to do with it. Nothing. He does the editing. He puts the music in. He makes it sound like it's actually a product. 
Also, if you're listening to this podcast, you know we're on feralaudio.com, and we're among some really great people like Chelsea Peretti has a podcast, Matt Dwyer has a podcast, Dan Harmon has a podcast, Brain Warp the Baby Eater has a podcast, Todd Berry has a podcast, Jimmy Corain has a podcast. I know I'm promoting myself. Is that okay to do? I, I guess it is. I, I just did it. And hit that donate button donate button. I say donate like it's a donut, but it's donate button and see what happens. Maybe a couple dollars will trickle our way if you like what we're doing here. Hit the donate button. Let's see. It's an experiment. We don't know what's going to happen. Also, if you want to know more about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning classes, The Art of Slow Comedy, and my improv nerd blog, which I love writing. I just wrote this great piece about feeling burnt out. If you can relate to that, and, and go to jimmycorain.com and check that out. I'm really proud of that. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. And some great emails that I've gotten. If you want to email me, you can email me at jcorain at aol.com. Uh, I always love getting emails and questions. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Say uh, Seinfeld was on an island yeah. and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you 